Wow. I always say it works every time. When you say holy, when we sing worthy, when we exalt Jesus, it just lifts the heart of man because we're made for him. And those songs uh, that we sing, when we sing throne room songs, the holy, the worthy, it's just literally agreeing with the angels in heaven, and it's what you're going to be doing for eternity. So we touch eternity when we proclaim the goodness of God, and it's so joyful to do it together. Well, hey, I've been sharing the last uh, a few weeks about an experience uh, I had. My son sent me an Instagram um, story of this uh, young man in Africa. He's sitting on the front row. They're preaching along. Uh, the, the, the preacher's up there talking, and the guy yells from the front row, I want Bible! I want Bible! <laughs> and you're like, wow, that's awkward. Everybody kind of rustles a little bit, and the guy just keeps talking, and he hadn't opened the Bible yet, and the kid, again, screams out, I want Bible! I want Bible! <laughs> and <laughs> Finally, the guy's going along, and, and eventually he opens the Bible, and the kids start just clapping wildly, I want Bible. So I need some help this morning. I need you all to tell me, I want Bible. All right, open to Matthew 24. We're going to get to Bible. I'm going to tell you a Bible experience I had, and then we'll get into the text. Uh, Matthew 24, 1 through 14 is where we're going to be marching through today. You know, it's a, it's a unique time in history, as it is any day, but a lot going on around the world and a lot of questions to be, are coming up. Uh, is this the end times? Is Jesus returning? Does the Bible say anything about Israel? So many voices and thoughts going on. But this has obviously not been the first time for a couple thousand years. People have been wondering, is Jesus returning? Is this the season? Is this the hour? In 1991, for those that were alive and uh, uh, connected in those days, um, there, uh, Iraq invaded Kuwait, who uh, America was allied with, as were other uh, countries of the world. And in response, uh, America pushed back and moved into Iraq. And so there was a Middle East war happening. They called it the Gulf War Number 1. And during that Gulf War, these same kind of questions were coming up. Is this the end times? Is this Armageddon? Does the Bible speak about these kinds of experiences? And I was uh, uh, at a lunch place here in town, and I'm walking out, and this really good guy loved the, loves the Lord, know that he loves the Bible, and he pulls me aside, and he says, Brother Jimmy, is this it? You know, he said, we've been studying the book of Daniel, we've been studying the book of Revelations, and he said, I think we're concluding that the Lord's coming and we need to get ready. He said, what do you think? And I said, well, I'm familiar with those passages, and man, uh, it, it says that the, only the Father knows, maybe you're right. I mean, this could be it. I said, but another scripture comes to mind, and it's Matthew 24, 14, that says this, this gospel of the kingdom of God shall be preached to, as a testimony to the whole world, and then the end will come. I said, you know, there's about two and a half billion people that have not heard this message of the gospel. I don't know if we're there yet. <laughs> and so I went away, though, um, not trying to do anything but encourage the guy, hey, man, I'm so glad you're saying the scriptures. Maybe this is a moment in time. And there is this other thing about this gospel of the kingdom being proclaimed because God's desire is that none should perish, but all should be saved. 
And no one is going to know the day or the hour, by the way. Nobody's been right yet and uh, won't be in the future, just a little clue in. But the reality is the environment is where the gospel is being proclaimed and every tribe, tongue, people, nation has the opportunity to respond. And so though I believe that this day is key and important and may very well be the hastening of the coming of the Lord, I would be a little slow to the punch about predicting the end times. And so what I wanna do is kind of address that we may not know the day or the time God does speak through his word consistently about being ready for that day, even as we're ready for this day. So let's read Matthew 24, starting in verse one. Jesus came out from the temple and was going away, and his disciples came up to point out the temple buildings to him. Basically, Jesus, aren't these beautiful? Isn't the temple beautiful? And Jesus says to them, do you not see all these things? Truly, I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another, which will not be torn down. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things happen? Anybody had that question this week, this month, somewhere along the way? Tell us what's going to happen, someone. And what will be the sign for your coming in the end of the age? Jesus answered and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. You'll be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that no one be frightened for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, what we experience right now, kingdom against kingdom. And in various places, there'll be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely birth pangs. Then they will deliver you. Here's a pocket promise. Then they'll deliver you to tribulation and will kill you. Congratulations, fellow believers. You'll be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Even the elect. Wow. Many false prophets will arise and and will mislead many. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. Lord, let not my love grow cold in the difficulties of life. Verse 13, but the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. He will be saved and he or she will be safe. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations and then the end shall come. There's three big takeaways I want you to know from this passage that Jesus speaks about in the midst of wars, rumors of wars, and the possibilities of the outcomes of the end times. Here are three things that Jesus is clear about. You ready? Let's put them up on the board there. Don't be frightened. Everybody say, don't be frightened. Don't let your heart grow cold. Everybody say, don't let your heart grow cold. And then he says this, Matthew 24, 14, believe, everybody say believe, believe. Live, live, and preach the gospel. That prepares you for this day and that day. This is the clarity point in the midst of the struggle and the wranglings of the nations. He's saying, fear not, don't grow, let your heart grow cold, stay engaged, be compassionate, be prayerful, be ready to respond and live out, believe in and preach the gospel of the kingdom because Jesus is the only way to salvation for all people. So in light of that, here we go. Verse one, we're just gonna go through it. 
Verse by verse, Jesus came out from the temple. He was, and, and the disciples were in all of these beautiful buildings. And he said, don't you see all these? Truly I say to you, not one of these stones will be left. So many times for us as just humans, very normal, we get so enamored with the external that we miss the internal point. What I mean is, like, look at that building, look at this city, look at all this beauty and all these external things. And Jesus is saying, uh, um, hey, this thing is just going to be rubble. Everything is going to shake and fall away. Literally, in 70 AD, after uh, uh, Jesus' ascension, the Romans came and destroyed that temple that they were looking at. So it literally happened. And the point here is just don't put your hope in temporal things. Appreciate them. Thankful. Jesus wasn't saying, hey, this isn't a beautiful building. He was just saying, don't put your hope in the building. Put your hope in me. All right? So next verse um, says this. Um, he was sitting with them saying, tell us when all these things will happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. Tell us what's going to happen. All right, so here's the deal. I'm gonna make a prophetic declaration because I think I know what's gonna happen. You ready? Like, actually, I don't even think I'm sure what's gonna happen. You ready? Here it is. Put my big uh, little arc up there. This has happened and will happen. All right? This is true. This is 100% true. Here's what happened. We were created by God. God created the heavens and the earth. Men and women sinned, fell. They couldn't see straight anymore. So God created a people through Abraham and his covenant with Abraham, a people called Israel. This nation, this tribe would declare his glory in all the earth. And when Israel flourished and honored God, the world saw God and his goodness. When Israel was rebellious and broken, the world didn't see Jesus. So it was a people with a promise. And I believe with all my heart, Scripture affirms this, that there is a unique promise for this nation of Israel all the way up until the end, until Jesus returns. So we believe in the promise of God through uh, the, the people, the Jewish people, through um, Israel. And that's why we're admonished to pray for Israel, to contend for Israel, and to bless Israel as God's chosen people. And... When Jesus comes, he comes and he not only proclaims salvation to the Jew, but he also proclaims salvation to the Gentile. In Ephesians 2, it says, The wall of division has been broken between Jew and Gentile through the blood of the cross and the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It's no longer just the Jew that's invited not only to know God, but to be grafted in as the family of God, but it also now is the Gentile. And just so you know, if you are non-Jewish, you are a Gentile. So if you come from a Muslim background, a Hindu background, a Buddhist background, a secular background, an atheist background, even if you call yourself Christian but don't yet believe in the exclusivity of Jesus, whatever your background, whatever tribe, tongue, people, nation, you now have the opportunity to not only know God, to be fully grafted into the promise of God for eternity. Every tribe, tongue, people, and nation is now a part of that initial salvation promise and a future and a hope through Jesus. Well, back to our little diagram. 
You have the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the people of God now to become the ambassadors, just as Israel has a calling and a promise to glorify God. Now we as the church and every born again believer, Jew and Gentile, now we are the ambassadors of truth. We're the disciple makers. We're the ones who are to declare the glory of God everywhere we go. And when we live for Jesus, people see Jesus. And when we do not, they do not. So now that journey then from the coming of the Holy Spirit until the return of Jesus is what's often called the restoration period. We're trying to bring the kingdom of God into every space and place. That's why we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. And we've said so many times the definition of kingdom, wherever the king is, there is the kingdom. And wherever the king is not, there is chaos. So the kingdom is the rule and reign of Jesus. When the rule and reign of Jesus is in my heart, I am at peace. When the rule and reign of Jesus is in our marriage, we have unity. When the rule and reign of Jesus is in my workplace, God is there. Wherever we are submitted to the rule and reign of Jesus, his teachings, his thoughts, his desires, and his design, whether it's from the smallest level of the individual to a national level as a people, the glory of God is made manifest. And when we do not follow the ways of Jesus, be it Jew or Gentile, there is chaos. Okay? So here's the big, big closer. This is, this is the prophetic, not prediction, certainty, and that is this. Jesus is coming again. He will return. He will return at the right time as the Father appoints that. We'll read about that in a moment. So he is coming. That is, you want to know when, what, what is the outcome of the end times? Jesus is going to return. And if he does not return in your lifetime, you and every person on this planet, Jew, Gentile, believer in Jesus or not, everybody's going to stand before Jesus. And if you know Jesus, it's a place of reward or loss of reward for the way you lived your life. And by the grace of God only, you'll be brought into heaven and eternity forever. For the unbeliever, it is a place of judgment and you and they will be cast into outer darkness, into hell itself, because they did not respond to the free grace and trust in Jesus in this life. That is the outcome of every person that ever has lived and ever will live. Either he's coming and we will see him and have that same face-to-face encounter, or when you die, you will see him face-to-face. And when that last day comes, then the new day begins. There'll be a new heavens and a new earth. And for those who believe, we will live with him forever and ever and ever. There it is. There's the end time prophecy of certainty in the name of Jesus. All right. Praise God. Isn't it great that we can know? But that's not what these guys are asking. They're trying to figure out all the details of it. And they said, Jesus, we need to know. Listen, when you get too fixated on needing to know every answer of the future, you become a controlling person with mistrust. What I mean is, if I don't understand everything about the end times and everything happening around the nations all the time, if somebody can't explain it to me, then I don't feel safe. Your safety is in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Your safety is in submission to Jesus. And if you're going after some prophet or some voice outside the centrality of Jesus in his word, your safety is going to end up in destruction. Everybody smile. Love y'all. Love love Jesus. We love each other. So they're asking, we got to know. We got to know. And, and uh, of course, 
Uh, Jesus doesn't address it directly, but he begins just to talk here in just a moment. But they, they didn't kind of get it in Matthew 24 because you see these guys asking the same question in Acts 1, 6 through 8. After Jesus rose from the dead, he's giving his last words to his disciples. In verse 6 in Acts 1 says this, so when they had come together, they were asking him saying, Lord, is it the time? Same question. Uh, that you're restoring the kingdom of Israel. And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or epics that have been fixed by my father, by his own authority. But you, you and me, will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on us. And we'll be witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Yes, we can know the signs of the times. We can know the seasons. We can know that there's need in the earth. We can know that things are rumbling. We can look at a man. Is the gospel getting out to the whole world? We can have an idea of the season of time. But the, the focus of Jesus to his disciples is don't worry about all that. You're never going to figure it all out. But worry about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't worry. But receive the Holy Spirit and the joy of that and be a witness for my glory. Spend all your energy there and the end will take care of itself. And when the end comes for you or for the world, you'll not only be ready, but you will have been a partner of mine to distribute my glory in the earth. And that's the goal here today. May we be those holy partners. Now, I want to share a story. If you've been around for a while, you've probably heard me share this before, but you may hear it a little differently in light of where we are right now in our world. It was 1997, and I had been in Afghanistan visiting our team there. They were living in literally a bombed-out building. That was all that was available. Um, there was war going on. We had been held at gunpoint twice, almost shot, uh, killed, and we, were, we had made our way out uh, to Europe and as we left Afghanistan, we got to Europe. We were just so grateful for what God was doing. We were deeply burdened in compassion for the Afghan people and how the Taliban was oppressing people and for our people laying their lives down so that Afghans might see the love of Jesus. So very moving time. And um, that night, I fall asleep. I'm in Amsterdam uh, um, and um, waiting for the flight the next morning. And as I fall asleep, I have a dream. And in the dream... There's a bunch of people that I know gathered around a TV watching the news. And in, in, in this dream, we're literally commenting, well, look, there's that Bible prophecy fulfilled, and this is the end times. Can you believe we're living in it? It's happening. Look at this and look at that. And it's not, uh, it's not fear, and it's not excitement. It's just, wow, isn't that cool? Isn't that interesting? And then in my peripheral vision in this dream, I hear people screaming, and I'm saying, do y'all hear that? And they don't even hear me. My friends don't hear me. They keep talking about the end times. And I hear people screaming, and then I can see it looks like dark water out here, like a lake. And then I see a, somebody scream and throw a hand up, and I run over, and I throw them onto the shore to save their life. And then I, in, in the dream, I see a boat, and I'm screaming to my friends, we have to rescue them. They're dying. They're dying. Can't you hear? They, they're not even listening to me because they're so enamored with the unfolding of the end times that they're, they can't hear the screams of the people. I get in the boat and I go out there and I'm literally frantically throwing people in the boat. And, you know, in dreams you can do things simultaneously. And I'm throwing people on the shore and in the boat and, and I'm just screaming, help me, help me, help me, because I can't get to all of them. And some of them are going under. And in that sheer terror, I begin to scream, help, help, help. And I wake up sweating profusely and crying out for help. 
When you have an experience like that, it just cuts through everything. And that is, yes, we're to be motivated by the return of the Lord, the hope of his coming. I don't want to minimize that so that we might be secure and a part of the rescue mission of God. That all men and women might be saved. That we might be a part of literally snatching people from the grips of hell itself. This is real, you guys. This is real and certain. Life and death is dependent on Jesus being Lord in a person's heart and life. And we are his hands and feet. Very, very powerful moment. Well, Jesus goes on to say after they were talking about... um, this whole idea of what's going to happen, verse 4 and 5, Jesus said to them, See that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. So here's my question in today's world right now, in this moment. Maybe some of you are very engaged with what's going on in the world, maybe passively engaged. But at least if you're on social media, there's somebody throwing some opinion out there about the particular moment we're living in. But my question is, who are you listening to right now? Who are you listening to right now? And it could be just on personal issues, let alone on the worldwide issues. But here are a few people that seem to have a voice in our culture. Celebrities, sports figures. Don't you think it's funny when you ask a quarterback about what he thinks about uh, Bible prophecy in the Middle East? You're like, I'm a quarterback. (laughs) That's not my, my lane. But we just, if somebody is powerful to us, we make them God. And we need to be really careful to make sure the source of where we're getting our information, which brings me to the news. Uh, So celebrities, sports figures, news uh, feeds, politicians, internet prophets, and here's my favorite one, friends with opinions and no experience. I liked that one. All right. uh, So let me go. What voices are you listening to? Celebrities, sports figures, news feeds, politicians, internet prophets, and friends with opinions with no experience. Listen, I've been in and out of the Middle East for years. We've worked in every part of that region. We have 30 to 40 of our people laying their lives down right now for the gospel, and their lives are in danger right now. If you haven't been there, don't sit on the couch and tell us what to do. You need to be engaged in real people's lives, and it's, it's never... Just that simple. Make sure you have the right spirit of compassion, kindness, prayer, intercession, and believing for all men to be saved in the midst of the difficult times we live in. Be careful of the voices that you listen to. And Jesus tells this story in Luke 9, 51 through 56, speaking of what spirit we're to be about in the dialogues and the wranglings of our day. He said when the days were approaching for his ascension, Luke 9, verse 51, he was determined to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead of him, and they went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for them. So Samaritans would be the non-Jews, the Gentiles, the other people in the region. So in their village of the Samaritans to make arrangements. But they did not receive him. The Samaritans weren't kind to them. Because he was traveling towards Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Because they didn't receive you, Jesus. But he turned, Jesus returned to his disciples, rebuked them and said, you do not know what kind of spirit you're of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. 
And they went on to another village. We don't know what spirit we're of. Now, let me just say here, we're going to talk about wars and rumors of wars. This is a part, Ecclesiastes said, there's a time for war. I'm not here to pontificate about what is a just and unjust war and all that. We literally renounce all rape, murder, pillage, uh, kidnappings. All, it's abhorrent to God. It is evil. And we should, there should be an appropriate response uh, to those kind of evil travesties. And... Jesus is saying, for the born-again believer, for the people of God, what spirit are you of? Are you trying to rescue people and save people? Or are you trying to wipe people off the map? Oh, God, if war is necessary, may it be limited, God. May the innocent men, women, and children not be caught up in the mix. God, may it end quickly. May we pray for peace. That's the spirit we're of. We're unifiers trying to rescue and save people and pull people together. And of course, that does not mean that there aren't consequences for sin and things that have to happen in our world to keep the balance of evil at bay. And as believers, let us remain of a good spirit. Be of a good spirit. All right, verse six. Everybody okay? All right. All right, verse six. So Jesus now addresses the, the hardcore stuff. You'll be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not frightened. See you're not fearful. For those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. Okay, every time there's a war, be careful. It may not be the end. Maybe it is, but I, I don't know if I would have a strong opinion on that if you're not a part of it. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes, but all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. If you've ever been in war, you're not for war. And I mean, what I mean by that is if you, if you haven't sat and experienced, I, I was in uh, Iraq when the war was still going on, early 2000s, and um, we uh, were coming up on people and places of people that had died and families that were grieving and weeping and mourning. But probably one of the most um, emotional experiences I had was we come up to this checkpoint and there was this, maybe let's say, looked to be like an 18-year-old young guy from uh, Alabama. And uh, this guy uh, knew we were pastors. We asked how we could pray for him, that kind of thing. And um, as I'm talking to him, he pulls me aside and he's literally shaking with terror. And he said, sir, they're not, this is not good. They're trying to kill me, sir. Everywhere I go, we're trying to do good, but people are trying to kill me. I don't know if I'm going to die tomorrow. Sir, what do I do? What do I do? And I'm, I literally, I think the kid's going to melt, break down right there. And he's shaking, trembling, tears coming down his eyes. He's got his big gun and the whole deal. And I said, man, let's just come to Jesus, man. Come on. He said, I can't control everything that's going on here. And I don't know what all the right decisions are, but the reason I'm here is to bring Jesus, to bring peace in the middle of war, man. We're with you. Come on. And we pray together. The peace of God comes on the guy. I was able to leave him with peace. His job was to be a soldier, to do his job. Those are admirable, honorable. Those are things that are a part of our world, and they are jobs that Jesus honored and others honor. And the kid needed Jesus. Whatever your job is, man, everybody needs Jesus. So wars, rumors of wars. I've been in earthquakes. I've been in tsunamis where you see devastation. These things happen. But here's what the scripture says in the midst of all that. These are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Now birth pangs. Now all you men out there, you understand birth pangs, right? You've seen your wife have a child. Uh, 
uh, in trying to uh, kind of relate to my wife, I was like, oh, so sorry in your pain. You know, I broke my leg one time. She's like, what? Broke? Who cared about your leg? That's like a splinter, you know? <laughs> trying to explain having a child is not a, a thing for a man to uh, pontificate very long on. So uh, when we started having our kids, Laura um, uh, felt the Lord, and I was in agreement with her, hey, I, I don't want to do the med- medication. Of course, we're, we're going to have it with our a doctor friend uh, in uh, all that, but she said, I don't want to do medication. Um, let's do these Lamaze classes where you be my coach and we'll learn how to do the breathing techniques and everything else. And so, yeah, I'm all right. I'm needed. We're going to partner this baby right out. And so uh, we do the classes and I'm supposed to teach her to keep her on breathing and to kind of distract her from the pain and keep her focused on my eyes. And man, we're all ready. And, and baby number one came pretty quick. And so actually I thought we, uh, that all went pretty well. And I thought we're experts. I mean, let's have 10 of these. This is, I mean, this is great. Uh, Lord did make the comment. We're saying now, isn't it joyful that we have our baby? Yes. I'm in tears. We have our little baby. And they, and she said, but somebody told me that you're going to forget the pain, uh, you know, because of the joy of the baby she said, I'm rejoicing in the baby, but I will never forget that pain. So uh, maybe it's just a Bible verse, honey, you need to meditate on a little more. Um, okay. So don't say that just so you know. All right. So second baby though, um, the uh, uh, things weren't moving fast enough, so they put some potosum in there to kind of get the labor going faster, and uh, and it was unexpected, and so Laura's hurting really, really bad, and um, uh, our doctor friend, uh, this great lady, she she was giving us the latitude to do the coaching thing, and I'm saying, breathe, honey, look at me, and she's she's like, this is intense, I don't know what to do, and she's kind of fading, you know, her eyes are going sideways. I'm like, hey, look at me, look at me, I'm trying to take control of the situation, be that perfect partner, and all of a sudden, and all of a sudden, I'm saying, look at me, look at me, and she says, get out of my face, I'm listening to her, and in a moment, I was gone. I mean, I, all. All my training, all my help, all my sacrifice, one moment of pain, I'm, I'm, I'm out and the other lady's in. So I say that <laughs> to say, hey, there are painful things that happen in this world, man, and they're beyond what you can comprehend. And you'll never understand everybody's pain. You can't understand fully. That's why we should be compassionate first. That's why we should be a little slow to the punch. What do you need? What does that pain look like in your war, in your famine, in your earthquake, in your tsunami? What can I do to help? That's why as believers, we don't look callously at the world. We, with compassion, say, somebody's in pain. The world is shaking. This thing's going down. Instead of pontificate, I need to enter in. How do I pray? How do we give? How do we go? What do we need to do to be a part of that? And if this isn't our assignment right now, for sure I can pray and support other people who it is their assignment. But oh God, would you alleviate pain in the midst of the process so that the joy can come on the other side? It also speaks to this, that every painful experience, God intends to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That is so hard to comprehend when you're the one going through the pain, when you're the one who had, who had devastation and loss. That's why God comforts the grieving. That's why we're, we're again, we're 
in and alongside of people. But I want you to know that every painful process, God has a plan on the other side to redeem even the worst pain of our lives. And so as the nations wrangle and things get crazy out there, and I don't know what the future holds, but I know that war and rumors of war and famines has been going on since the beginning of time. Uh, One historian uh, did the research on since history has been recorded, there's only been 8% of the time in the world where there wasn't a significant war going on. So when you say, whoa, what's going on? Man, if you were living during World War II, if we would have gone live to Nazism and all the stuff going on around the world, you talk about freaking out, you couldn't have comprehend the atrocities that were happening. So just because we have a front row seat through the media doesn't mean that this is the end of the times. Though it may be. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's not. I'm just saying be careful to jump to quick conclusions. But ask God what your obedient response to pray and engage it are. In the middle of that, God says this again. Jesus, being God, says, don't be frightened. My friends, 365 plus times in the scripture, God says, fear not, fear not, fear not. Why? Because we are sheep who get anxious about the least little thing going on on the planet. Here's what it says in Psalm 37. It says, be careful if you fret because it will lead only to evil doing. When you make decisions out of fear, you make poor decisions every time. And I'm not talking about concern or legitimate, hey, this is a bad thing to do or a good thing to do. But I'm just saying, you got to take your fear. You got to center down in Jesus, find the Prince of Peace, listen to his voice and make a decision by faith. For those struggling right now financially, out of your fear, you're starting to grasp stuff. And some of that could get illegal. I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying somebody's about to do something illegal in your business or otherwise in the name of finding provision. And if you'll repent, come to Jesus, confess it to someone, then God will not only redeem you, but he will make a way forward for your provision. Do not make a decision out of anxiety right now. Don't do it. Don't do it. It leads to evil doing, and then you pay the price for the evil that you do. And that's a word. I I was not planning that. That's not in the notes. But God sees and God knows, and he's throwing out a lifeline to you. You don't have to grab the world in your fearfulness or evil to get your provision. God's your provider. Fear, not a good thing. Actually, a terrible thing. God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. That word sound mind is where we get the word mental health. Love, power, and good mental health is on the other side of fear. All right. Everybody good with fear or not? Let's, uh, let's do that. All right, so here we go. Verse 9. Here's again the pocket promise for your refrigerator. If you really believe that it is the end times and when the end times percolate, and this is happening to many brothers and sisters around the world, that's why we pray for the persecuted church. That's why we engage the persecuted church. It's not happening with us right now. But as a follower of Jesus, there is a time when the world turns against the people of God. Have you ever, I just want to pause for a minute. Have you ever wondered the anti-Semitism? It's crazy. Like of all the people on the earth, there's this little nation, a group of people. And why such hatred towards one group of people? I mean, 
of course, peoples don't like people all over the world, and people hate different groups. But why is that? It's demonic because there's a promise of God on his people's lives, and the enemy stirs up people to want to eradicate a, a certain group of people. Now, take that as the Jewish nation and something that they, that the, they have to deal with all over the world. Take that to a born-again believer that's living full-on for Jesus in any culture of the world, and that same experience will happen if you stay true to him. Just as a Jew is being willing to be identified as a Jew, we have to be willing to be identified as Jesus' followers no matter what, wherever we live. And when the pressure comes, know that the God who created us and the God who saved us is the God who will not only sustain us, but he's also the God that will carry us through. It says this in verse 9, then they'll deliver you to tribulation and will kill you. You'll be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Other versions say many of the called will betray one another. You don't know what your experience was in 20 and 21, but I was shocked by people that walked away from the Lord. I was shocked by brothers and sisters who turned on one another over non-essential issues. My encouragement is if you were one of those people and you've come back to the Lord or come back to the body, hey, let's learn our lesson because it's coming again. And if, uh, and if you weren't and you made it through 2021, I'm, I'm the, let the fear of the Lord be on you. Be careful to stay centered in Jesus when pressures and tensions arise. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many many. In verse 12, because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. So how do you know a false prophet? Here's just a few thoughts on false prophets, okay? If that voice or that teacher that, uh, or that, uh, yeah, that voice or teacher is fueling fear, it's not from God. If that person is fueling hatred for any group, anywhere, at any time, wrong spirit, that's not the spirit of Jesus, if, if that person or that group is pulling you away from the centrality of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus as the only way to salvation and pulling you, into the, and pulling you or, or pulling you away from the people of God, that is a false prophet. If they're not pulling you into the grace of God and hope for a future, that is a false prophet. 1 John speaks to this, 1 John 4, many other thoughts around that. But it goes back to what spirit is up? Is this making me believe God? Is this making me trust God? Is this making me pull into the people of God? Is this making me believe for a, a future and a hope? Is this moving me with compassion to pray and to be of the right spirit? All right, that's a good word. And it doesn't mean that we, we got to shout there are concerns, and, and we have to be true about what's happening and all that. But in those concerns is that voice leading you back to hope and help. That is the voice of God in the midst of the challenges of the ages. And it says, be careful because of lawlessness, our love will grow cold. Now, here's the deal. One of the reasons that we can't overamp on too much violence, let's just say violence and murder, because when you watch so many scenarios, whether it's on TV or video games or in real life, you begin to become callous to human life. You can't watch too many people being killed and not grow hard towards the plight of people in pain. 
Be careful what your eyes see and what your ears hear so that you would keep a soft heart. And many times, lawlessness, even we have, well, everybody's just a mess. I'm not that big of a mess. And you grow callous versus stay soft. Remember our big deal at the beginning? Fear not. Don't let your heart grow cold. Now, the last verse, Matthew 24, 14. Now, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached as a testimony in, all, in the whole world. And then the end shall come. So this gospel of Jesus, the centrality of the rule and reign of God, the love of God, the eternal hope of uh, all mankind is housed in a person. The redemption of history comes through Jesus. He will excuse me, have the last word in all things. And as the people of God, we believe and trust in him fully. As the people, and when we don't, we repent and we return. And, when, uh, and we're to live in a way that becomes a witness of our life, every part of our lives. You want to have financial provision, get under the covering of the Lord. Live with your resources the way that God asks you to live, and you can't not be blessed. I'm not promising some huge house and cars and boats and everything else. You will have enough. I'll say it that way. And if there's an abundance, which there usually is for those who live right, then you'll be able to give and share with what you have. There's a beauty to God in living righteously to provide for every one of our needs. And then the message we carry, the gospel is the power of God for salvation, for there is no other name in which men and women might be saved but the name of Jesus. So as we pray... And as we lean in in these days, and as we're in so many different settings, be a truth teller and a peacemaker. Here's Jesus. Where are we seeing Jesus here, gang? Come on. Let's, let's take all these thoughts in, and how, let's now let's pray for Israel. Let's pray for the Middle East. Let's pray for what's going on. Who do we know over there serving? Let's cover them in the name of Jesus. What do we need to do to buckle down here locally in our own hearts and minds? Let's be unifiers around Jesus, his glory, his message, and the cross, and we will always be safe. All right? Let's stand together. If our prayer teams can come quickly to the front. Woo! I love Jesus. I, I, <clears throat> we're safe, guys. We're good. And the more we believe that, the more we can help others out of the overflow of the security of Jesus. Hey, we, every time we gather, we share the word, we worship, we pray, and we give opportunity to pray for people. If you're living in fear right now, and it's understandable, I am living at fear at times, the Lord's living at fear at times, we're all just a bunch of humans. When you are in that lockdown fear stuff, though, you got to humble yourself and throw up your hand and say, man, I need some help. Could somebody pray for me? Maybe you have something that you came with <clears throat> that you can pray with. But we're here to pray for you in the name of Jesus. The fear would be broken off. The spirit of fear, that immobilizing thing, would be broken off of you today so that you can experience the grace of God. If you're physically sick in your body, I want to pray that God would heal you. And we, we literally put our hand on you in the name of Jesus, according to the Scripture. God, would you heal him? At the very least, you'll be comforted. At the very most, you'll see a miracle. But get somebody to pray for you physically, mentally, financially. Man, if you're that person that the Holy Spirit was highlighting on that financial deal, hey, find a trusted friend right now. Confess your sin. Ask them for help. Ask people to pray for you. Whatever it is, we want to make righteous decisions. And when we can't, 
which all of us are in the spaces of help, just throw your hands up. Say, somebody help me. Pray for me right now. So here's what I need you to do. Just start moving. We have people up there. If you need prayer for anything, I didn't have to mention your need right now, but you came with a need this morning and you need prayer. Come on, we're here for you. Just get some prayer. Get the fear out. Get faith moving again. Get hope moving again. Help moving again. I want to do one last thing. I love what we've been doing the last few weeks. I'm going to pray with anyone in this room, anybody online who doesn't know Jesus, you need to be saved. You need to be forgiven of your sins and secure that no matter what happens to you, you have a Savior that will take you in His arms, not only in this life, but for eternity. And I want to pray a simple prayer and take you to Him. But everybody else, if either you're being prayed for, praying with somebody else, or I want you to join me right now, pray for prodigals, people who are far away from God that need to come back friends and family members. Pray for unsaved friends and family members that need to come to Jesus. If you'll just start lifting their names to the Lord or coming forward for prayer, and I'm gonna, now I'm just directing it to everyone who doesn't know Jesus, online or in the room. If you need to know him, pray this simple prayer with me. Lord Jesus, just pray it, Lord Jesus, I need you, tell him you need him. Forgive me of my sins. That's just being honest. I can't get rid of my own sin. Forgive me of my sins. Now now we declare, I believe you died on the cross for me, proclaiming his sacrifice for you. I believe you rose from the dead, proclaiming his power. I believe you've made a way to the Father. Just pray it with me. I believe you've made a way to the Father just for me. I am yours. I am yours, Lord Jesus. I give my heart to you. I give my life to you. I am yours, Lord Jesus. Thank you for loving me, for saving me, for giving me. I give my heart and life to you. Now, Lord, for every man, woman, and child calling on your name right now, I proclaim them free from the power of sin and death according to your word that whoever trusts in the Lord will be saved. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, we're going to sing one last chorus here. Let God's word just seal up in our hearts. And again, if you need prayer for anything, please, please, please don't stay where you are if you need help. We'll make sure somebody's here for you or turn to a friend. Don't leave here without responding to what God's doing in your heart. Let's sing together.